Hey everybody, welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boating. This week, I'm super excited to share with you all an interview that I did with Jason Russell. He grew up with congenital anosmia, and he's going to share with us what it's like to navigate the world without a sense of smell. So I'll let Jason tell his own story. Here's the interview. Hi, Jason. Welcome to The Smell Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, Katie. It's uh, great to have a chat, and um, I appreciate you um, giving me this opportunity to have a, have a talk about it. Yeah, awesome. So uh, to get started today, can you tell us about yourself? What's your background, and where did you grow up? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a small town called Ballarat, um, or a small town, I guess. It's, it's about 100,000 people, um, uh-huh. and my background is I used to be a personal trainer, but now I'm running cricket clinics um, all over the place around Victoria. Um, And, yeah, so that's about me. I used to play tennis. I used to play cricket. Had a very sporty background. um, And that's basically basically it for that. Um, In regards to – thanks. In regards to anosmia, um, yeah, I grew up. It's uh, my case is uh, congenital anosmia, so I was born without the sense of smell. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I found out when I was about four. What was that like for you as a kid, kind of figuring out, figuring out that you didn't have something that other people had? Yeah, so as a kid, I was more so focused on other things rather than smell. I didn't realize that I was missing out on anything as such. Um, it was only until really in high school um, when uh, there was we had cooking class and one of the teachers was like, all right, so we've got a, a, a smell test. So they pulled out these little canisters of smells and I'm like, oh, I can't do this test. They're like, why not? I'm like, oh, I've got no sense of smell. And the teacher just didn't believe me. Yeah. So all my friends are like, trying to convince him that I couldn't smell it. Yeah. So was that the first time that you'd come across that, like, in your education or had stuff like that where you were, I guess, was that the first time it was made explicit, like, in front of everybody? Yeah, I guess it was the first time it was made explicit. I. That's from, yeah, one of my memories, but I can't actually figure out I can't remember much before that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but with, uh, yeah, mum and mum and dad were, um, they they were amazing at finding out that I could never didn't have a sense of smell because like sometimes they would say, "Oh, that stinks," and then I'd repeat those words. I'm like, "Oh, that stinks," but if they didn't say anything, then I wouldn't say anything. Uh-huh. And my anosmia is linked to a condition called Kalman syndrome, which uh-huh. means you don't go through puberty, you don't create your own testosterone, um, infertility, uh, as well as many other uh, things, but they're the main things. Um, and that's where my anosmia comes from. Okay. So did your parents know that up front when you were, when you were born? No. Or did it take so, a while to figure out what was going on? Yeah, it took a while to figure out. We um we had many hospital visits um as a kid trying to figure out what was going on. 
MRI scans and um, and that's when I actually figured out or found out um, and I'm born deaf in one ear as well which is also linked to Kalman syndrome so it was sort mm-hmm. of they had all these um, clues it was just going to the doctor and saying hey here's what's going on um, and then that's when I got diagnosed. Okay. So this, this upcoming week, actually, I am going to have a podcast episode about some of the genetics about congenital anosmia or what they've discovered so far. Um, and it's pretty like science heavy topics, but one of the, one of the things that they link is Kalman syndrome. So that's actually the first time that I had heard of it was recently. Yeah. So that's really cool to talk to you that you have somebody with firsthand experience about it. Yes. Um, the, the rate with Kalman syndrome is about one in 10,000 guys and one in, I think, 50,000 women. Um, yes. And not many people know about it. I think the main people who know about it are the people who either have it or close family um, and close partners as well. Um, so it'd be good to get that yeah, awareness out there. Yeah. How, um, have you ever met anyone else who has Kalman syndrome in person? Yeah, so I caught up with a guy um, just last week. When was that? Thursday? Uh, I think last Wednesday. Um, yeah, I caught up with a guy who had Kalman syndrome, and it was such a fantastic uh, experience to share what we've gone through. Yeah. Um, and there was another time a few years ago, I wrote a article in the paper, and I mentioned Kalman syndrome. And um, a guy came into where I was working. It was at a gym. And he's like, oh, when are you free? Can I catch up with you? And I'm like, oh, would you like some training? And he goes, no, I've got what you've got, Kelman syndrome. And that just, it just made my day. It was the first time I've ever met someone with Kelman syndrome. And yeah. it was interesting because he worked close by as well. So it was, you just don't know whose people's or what people's stories are until you actually have a chat to them. Yeah. Um, but it was just an amazing day to be able to talk to someone and not feel alone and actually feel connected with someone. Yeah. So we just, um, I actually just attended the Identifying Treatments for Taste and Smell Disorders conference, which was on Thursday. It was Wednesday and Thursday of this of this um, last week. And so that was the first time in my life that I'd ever met anybody else who had anosmia in person. And it was really cool. Like, I don't, it's kind of like what you're talking about. You don't really know how to describe it, but it's so meaningful. Yeah, definitely. So at our dinner, it? it was really good. It was really nice. So at the dinner, they had like a special dinner focused on, um, like the different textures and the reasons like having people who can smell like focus on the reason that they had made it the certain way, like something was crunchy or something was spicy. And it was just so cool because there were four of us. So we were all four women at the table um, who had anosmia. Uh, and it was just, I don't know, it was an amazing experience. So I think that it's really nice that you've been able to meet somebody else who has Kalman syndrome. Yeah, definitely. So talking about food, how important is texture for you in the foods that you eat? Um, yeah, come to think of it, it is pretty important. Like, for example, uh, apples. I do prefer the crunchy apple, the crisp apple, as opposed to like a soft, like a little bit softer. Uh-huh. Um, 
as well as mangoes. Like I love frozen mangoes, and the like the texture has to be right. Um, and if it's too mushy or if the textures don't really um, aren't that great, then it, yeah, it just puts puts off the food. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. How about ripe bananas? Bananas are really, really nice. Um, yeah, they have to be like just right. I can't have them, but you know when they're like green and yeah, and too, too green. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're just disgusting. <laughs> I hate the ones that have black spots on them because they're oh, so, really? so smushy. Yeah. So for me, I don't prefer those um, because they're just so soft. I kind of yeah. like the ones that are less ripe, I guess. So it's interesting. It's interesting to hear your experience with bananas is a little bit different than mine. Um, yeah. So how do you figure out if your food has gone bad? Or how, how do you, like, what are your methods for telling if something's good to eat or not? So I like to give, say, chicken, um, like a maximum, oh, not a maximum duration, but if I've, had chicken cooked for say like two days, then I'm definitely not going to eat it. Um, I've given myself food poisoning a couple of times, unfortunately. So I'm very, I like to be um, pretty on point with my food. I love food. Uh-huh. So I'll eat it like within a day of it being prepped. Yeah. Um, but there was one time where I was, I bought the discounted chicken at the supermarket and never buy a discounted chicken from the supermarket because it means it's like <laughs> off and then cook it and then even eat it the next day. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was a horrible experience for the next 24 hours. Um, so I like to give a time limit of when I eat things like chicken or beef. I do have a designated smeller as well. So I'll be like, Hey, can you smell this food? Yeah. Um, and sometimes the you have sort of a, a sense of if it's off or not, and if Just you've got this like really, yeah, um, and if you've got this like gut feeling, then it's like oh, probably probably shouldn't go for it. I think we should trademark that term, a designated smeller. Yes, that'd be cool. <laughs> there's some kind of equipment online. I think there's like a Japanese company that makes like a smell machine where it can tell you if you have like body odor. And I wonder, I wonder if that would be useful for food. Like if they have marketed it just for food products yet. Yeah. That I've never actually come across that. Yeah. I think it's like a hundred or $150 or something. So it's a little bit expensive, I think um, for just doing that. But I mean, it's some high technology. So maybe that's not very expensive at all. Yeah. Yep, and especially like with body odor, it'd be well worth it because like imagine going through like in social settings and then you don't actually realize. You don't want to be the smelly the smelly kid in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I've probably been like many times. However, I have no idea if I have been or not. Right. Most people are too polite to tell us anyway. Yes, yeah. You need those friends who are willing to be honest with you and let you know that you smell kind of funky or something. True, which I've had a couple of friends do that. And I, and I had one person in the gym go, yeah, um, have some breath mints. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, I guess that's kind of them. 
to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so with that in mind, kind of those experiences of people like warning you or not telling you if maybe um, you smell, what's your funniest or most memorable anosmia experience? I was actually having to think about this earlier and it's, I'm not sure if it's um, more, mem it's more memorable rather than funny, but I remember going to school and um, we had cats and I went to school with my backpack and like on the way home, so not on the bus up there, not during class, not during lunch, but on the way home, I had this random kid say to me, this is uh, over 10 years ago. And he said, oh, your, your bag smells like cat piss. And I'm like, oh, no, I've been carrying around this bag all day. And um, wow. then I had to, like, wash it, like, seven, like, heaps of times just to make sure. Yeah. What was that like? Um, embarrassing, yet I was grateful for him to, to let me know. But, yeah, um, yeah it was embarrassing because, like, oh, well, you just don't know that something stinks and that you're the one carrying it around. Right. And I like had... who else? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and it's like who else has been put off by the smell and have been avoiding me the whole day. Right. It's really, I guess, shaming. Like I've had, I went to a show once and I had a lady and her husband who were sitting next to me. And they just kind of, the lady was like, are you wearing perfume? And I said, no, because I had not, I didn't put on any perfume, but I had put on like deodorant before I left. So I think maybe that was what it was. And so she was like, oh, it's, it's really strong. And so her and her husband like just got up and left and like moved away from me. And I was so embarrassed because like, I don't know, you can really, you, you don't know that that is happening so yeah I just remember being really embarrassed by that and and wondering if it if it was because it was the deodorant that smelled bad or maybe I like had body odor going on um but I just like that was the only thing I could focus on and I didn't even really enjoy the show anymore yeah that would have been horrible and it changes your experience of what you're doing as well yeah because then I it's wonder like if eventually. everybody else can smell me too yeah yeah. So. And then it's sort of like the focus is in your in your own thoughts of going, do I smell bad? How bad do I smell? And then you're not actually, it takes the focus away from the actual show or what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm just going to tell myself that it was because the deodorant was really strong. <laughs> that makes me feel slightly better. Yeah. Um. So when smell comes up in daily life, like in passing, because it happens all the time, there's commercials about candles and there's just commercials about food and focuses on smells and things like that. When that comes up in like day-to-day -day conversation with people, do you take the time to explain to them that you can't smell or do you just leave it be? Yes. Yeah, so years ago, I would tell everybody and anybody that I wouldn't be that I couldn't smell um and then I sort of started strategically saying it, and then I eventually got over answering all the questions you know can you taste if I farted could you smell it mm -hmm. all those kind of those kind of questions are, are the first two questions I get asked so it's like yeah 
do I want to repeat the same old question over and over again to different people? Um, I don't actually tell that many people anymore. Um, the other day, I was talking to someone at work and they mentioned a, a bad smell and I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, this stinks really bad. I'm like, oh, it does it? They're like, yeah, I have a smell. I'm like, no, nah, thanks. I'll, I'll pass. Um, right. And, and it's not that I'm ashamed of it or anything. It's just you, you sort of don't really want to keep answering the same questions. Yeah, it takes a lot um, of energy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I had, I've got a couple of stories. There is actually a funny story that I just thought up. Um, I, I was dating a girl, uh, this was years ago, and she held up um, a Jim Beam bottle up to my nose and she goes, here, smell, smell this. I'm like, oh, it smells like Jim Beam. And I was just reading off the, the bottle mm-hmm. and uh, later down the track, I, I told her, and she goes, oh, what about that Jim Beam? I'm like, oh, I've just read what was on the label. It's like, of course it smells like Jim Beam. Right. Um, but most recently, or when I say most recently, it was last February, um, I was at a retreat and I, everyone was um, in pairs and each day they had to cook um, a dinner. Anyway, the dinner that me and my partner was cooking was chicken. And the chicken was bought on Sunday, and this was on Wednesday. Anyway, um, so my mate, well, the person I was with, he had zero experience with cooking. Mm-hmm. I've had a bit of experience with cooking. I can, like, I can cook food, and people enjoy it, and people have asked recipe, recipes from me. Right. Um, some of the foods have just been slapped together, and then they ask me for recipes. like, well, I don't know, just slap together and hope for the best. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he had zero experience and I got him to cut the chicken. I was cutting up all the veggies. Two other guys um, during the course were about three, four metres away and they got my attention. Like, hey, Jace, don't cook that chicken. It smells funky. I'm like, oh, um, does it? And they're like, yeah, don't, definitely don't cook it. And I'm like, you sure? They're like, yeah. Anyway, I go to my um, cooking partner. Um, can you smell that? And he goes, oh, I thought it smelled a little bit weird. And he goes, smell it. I'm like, well, I can't smell. That's why I'm trying to rely on your, your nose. I'm trying to rely <laughs> on other people's noses because I don't want to give 13 people um, food poisoning here. Right. So, um, should... Sorry? Oh, you'd think he'd say something. Yeah. Um, he didn't have much cooking experience, so I guess he didn't really cook much chicken anyway i threw i threw 170 dollars worth of chicken out because it was off Uh, Uh, and and then um the the organizer of the of the course slash retreat um had a had a bit of a word with me for throwing out 170 dollars worth of chicken i'm like yeah i don't want to give anyone food poisoning yeah Uh, I think you probably did the right thing by making sure a bunch of people didn't get sick. Oh, what did you guys do instead then for your meal? Yes. So one of the assistants, um, they went out to get more chicken, um, which added another, um, it was a half an hour drive. Um, so they ended up getting chicken. We had dinner a a little bit later, which was 
fine. I'd rather late dinner than get food poisoning. Um, and then we also had some leftovers from the night before. So it was all bases covered. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, hopefully that guy now knows what off chicken smells like and he'll be able to do that next time. Yes. So in life, I know I've referred to anosmia as being an invisible disability. And I'm just wondering, do you identify that as having a disability? How do you feel about that word? Um, and I guess, how do you feel about people saying that you have a disability? Yeah, so I don't actually consider it as a disability. Um, I sort of, I don't know, I don't really have a, I don't really think about it much during my day as a disability. I, I guess I've got a different um, definition of disability. Like when I think of disability, I think, say, wheelchair or um, loss of a limb or something like right. that. I don't really consider myself to have that disability. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I guess if when other people use that term, it's up to them what they define it as. However, I just don't define it like, uh, like that. Yeah, that's good. So what do you want people who don't have anosmia to know about what it's like living with it? Um, good question. Um, if I do have a bad odor, let me know. Um, yeah, just be, be a bit patient. I remember uh, one time in the gym, I left food in the fridge and I completely forgot about it. And then um, a few days later, the manager's like, you need to get rid of that. And he was like really cranky that I left off food in the in the fridge. And he's like, oh, you would have been able to smell them. Like, no, I can't. He goes, yeah, you would have. Like, no, I can't. And he just wasn't compassionate about like he didn't realize I had nausea, but I was trying to tell him that I couldn't smell it. And he's like, yes, you would have been able to. Um, so, yeah, if people I would love to let know and what I would love them to know is, yeah, just be patient when something about smell comes up, whether it's like, yeah, body odor, um, food, smelling clothes, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And yes, we wouldn't be able to smell farts if you farted in our face. And yes, we can <laughs> taste a bit. <laughs> I had that so many times in high school. Like, it was just ridiculous. Like, oh, so if I fart in your face up close, you wouldn't be able to smell it. It's like, yes, but don't do that. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I can't or, remember. I think I was talking with um, Jules Zenda. She's another... Um, interviewee who has congenital anosmia it might have been her or it might have been Yasmin but there was the time when I was getting my hair cut and the guy asked me about smelling the shampoo and I said oh I can't smell it so he put it into my nose <laughs> and I was just like I don't even want to be here anymore like I don't want to get my hair cut anymore now I'm embarrassed um, yeah. but yeah just taking liberties or like people will like shove their shoe in my face Oh, no. Like, I've had that a few times, and I'm like, that's not acceptable if you can smell. So why is that acceptable if you can't smell? Yeah, and they sm they tell you to smell harder. It's like, try yeah. harder. It's like, well, that's, 
that's not gonna help yeah well anything else do you want people to know about what it's like having an osmia yeah I, I don't know I live every day just um like not really worried about my anosmia. I don't think it affects me like it affects other people. Although I can't really compare it to any anybody else because everyone's experience and thoughts and 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 things are, are completely different to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have seen a few of Jules' um, YouTube channels or YouTube videos, and they're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, what else I would love to let people know? That's a really good question. I think for me, it would be kind of what you had mentioned is like, believe us. Um, yeah. Why would, why would I say I can't smell for attention? Like that's, that's one that I feel like some people think it's like an attention seeking and it's not, um, it's, it's unusual. Yeah, say that. Yeah. But um I think you wouldn't you wouldn't ask somebody who's blind to try to see harder. Yeah. So I guess yeah. just that awareness of being sensitive to the to the situation that the person is in. You can't see it, but it's still the same thing as if you were asking somebody who couldn't see to just maybe try a little bit harder. Have you had that happen? Um, yeah, I've had people say try harder and like hearing of, um, deaf in one ear as well. So people, um, have told me to, to try harder with hearing and all that. And it's like, but, um, but yeah, going back to, to Nosmia, it's, um, yeah, definitely that belief of believe us when we actually tell we are, um, and don't ask such stupid questions. I know. (laughs) I know, I know, like, people don't know what to ask, and it's, like, they're curious, and it's great to be curious. Um, or they try to compare smells with other smells. And it's like, oh, have you smelled, say, like, mangoes? I was like, no. Oh, well, it sort of smells like this smell. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I've smelled that, which I haven't. It's right. like, yeah, I, I'm not sure um, what goes in their mind when they ask some questions. Like it's it's great that they are that they want to learn more about it. I think that's why kind of these interviews with people like you and like Jules and Yasmin and and myself who we don't have a sense of smell. Hopefully, I mean it's a podcast and maybe not everybody listens to podcasts, but hopefully it will raise awareness um, for those who do listen and maybe they can say like, oh, I have a friend who has that. Maybe I'll tell them about the podcast. That way we yeah. can kind of let everyone know that we're here yeah I um I was writing a, a book uh that I haven't published just yet but I was at a cafe with a friend and prior to that I was writing a book anyway two um older uh, an older couple could overhear me talking about the book and they asked me oh what's the book about I'm like oh it's about um living without some senses like anosmia um and they're like oh that's really interesting because she actually lost her sense of smell. So we had a connection about not being able to smell and it was just fantastic. Yeah. I think there's a lot more of us than we realize. Yeah, definitely. Like in the, um, anosmia of the world or anosmics of the worldwide, 
um, uh-huh. Facebook group, there's heaps and heaps of people. Um, and you just don't know. Um, I remember meeting a couple of people with anosmia in my hometown and it was, yeah, it was just fascinating to be able to, to share that. So do you have hopes of publishing this book about having anosmia? Yes. Awesome. Do you, can you share any more details or is it kind of pending? It's more so pending, um, really. I've got a few books um, in the pipeline that I've sort of started, but I haven't actually continued for a while. Um, so I'll get them going up and, up and running. Well, awesome. When you do get that book going and uh, published, definitely let me know and I'll let all the listeners know so they can check it out. I think there's a few books about having an osmia, but the more the, the more the merrier. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. So in kind of conclusion, how can listeners find you on social media and get in touch with you? Yeah, so on Facebook, uh, my name is Jason Grant Russell. Um, if it's if you type in Jason Russell, I'm not sure if you'll find me. Um, Facebook had a funny thing with my middle name, so I had to change it. Um, and on Instagram, it's Vitality Master with an underscore in between. How do you? What is it again? Uh, Vitality underscore Master. Okay, Vitality underscore Master. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Do you have any last minute things you'd like to say? Um, no, I, yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on your podcast. I really appreciate it, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks to Jason for agreeing to be interviewed for the podcast. I asked him during the interview what he wants people who don't have anosmia to know about what it's like to have it. And after we finished talking, Jason messaged me and he asked me to include the following statement on the podcast. So here's what he said. I have actually thought of something else to share. I like hearing about people talking about what they smell. I was at the beach with the lady I'm seeing and she said that the water smells so nice. And then she apologized as she didn't want to offend me talking about smells. I would love to let the world know that you should enjoy what you have and share it. I like hearing if they think something smells nice, as it makes them happy, and I like seeing people happy and enjoying what they smell. Be grateful with what you do have. You can find Jason on Facebook by searching for Jason Grant Russell, and on Instagram he's located at vitality underscore master, and that's spelled V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y underscore M-A-S-T-E-R. Make sure you keep an eye out for Jason's future books about having congenital anosmia. I've asked him to keep me posted about his progress, and if I hear anything back, I'll definitely keep you all in the loop as well. If you're interested in learning more about that smelling device that I mentioned, it's called Tanita ES100, and it went on sale in Japan in early June of this year. I found a few on sale on eBay for around $150. If you end up purchasing one, Please make sure that you let me know how it works and how you like it. I'll include a link in the episode description if you'd like to read more about it. Also, I wanted to let you all know that I am planning a special episode to discuss the Identifying Treatments for Taste and Smell Disorders conference that was in Philadelphia and all of the amazing things that I learned while I was there and the great people that I got to meet and interact with. There's a lot of exciting updates that are going on and I will make sure that I get those all out to you guys. I wanted to also let you know that there's going to be another great conference that's focused on smell and taste disorders this coming year in May 2019 in Florida. If you live around the area or you want an excuse to visit sunny Florida, I believe it's in Gainesville, so you can check out the conference website 
It's www.smelltaste.org. Make sure that you bookmark the page and keep your eyes out because there will be more detailed info about the conference posted sometime in January 2019. So let me know what you thought about today's episode. What topics would you like to see covered in the future? I'm very interested in doing some interviews with people who have parosmia, phantosmia, or hyposmia in addition to people who have anosmia. I want to make sure that I'm representing everybody's smell disorder story. If you have a story that you'd like to share or if you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, please email me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at thesmellpodcast. Until next time, have a great day.